0: Welcome to the SMC 2022 Podcast. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave an invitation that changed the world. Come, follow me. Today, we have the same invitation. What's up, SMC Podcast listeners? My name is Drew Barnett, and today I'm gonna be talking on the topic of spiritual highs. Maybe you've heard this phrase before. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about. Maybe you yourself have experienced a spiritual high at one point or another in life, or you're afraid you're spiritually high right now. Yes, you heard me right, spiritually high. If you're listening to this and you've just got back from Stumo's Winter Conference, SMC, I'm excited you are tuning in today to listen to this podcast so you can be confident that what you experienced at SMC doesn't end there, but that you can experience the joys of living out a true biblical faith For a lifetime. Today, we're going to talk about how to not just experience spiritual highs and lows throughout our life, but instead to have a consistent and steady faith in Jesus. I'm super passionate about this topic because it's actually a huge part of my own story and how I got here today. Like I said, my name is Drew Barnett, and I work on staff for StuMo at Texas A&M University. Not actually an ag myself. I'm a proud Texas Longhorn. Hook 'em. But somehow I found myself over in what the Ags would call God's country of College Station, Texas, after I graduated. I've worked in College Station for the last three years for Stumo, and it holds a special place in my heart. You see, I met my wife, Carly Barnett, while working here at Texas A&M. We fell quick, and we fell hard. Carly and I got married just over a year ago, December 2020, after dating for about a year. And this Thanksgiving, Carly came home to my parents' house for our first married Thanksgiving together. It was a blast, but one of my biggest nightmares came true. You see, what mother doesn't love to whip out the old home films and embarrass her son in front of his new wife? And so one (laughs) night while we're home for Thanksgiving, we spent hours in front of the TV watching old videos of baby Drew. Many of them mostly embarrassing, but so many of these old videos are filled with me playing sports. I grew up playing every sport you can imagine, but basketball but, but basketball was by far my favorite. Many of these videos are just of me at two years old, dribbling a ball around the house. I was hitting jumpers like MJ in my living room on the Little Tykes basketball hoop. I loved basketball. Basketball was my life. My dream was to make it to the NBA and play for the greatest Sports franchise in history, the San Antonio Spurs. But you see, unfortunately, God had other plans for me. He gifted me with average to below average athleticism as a 5'10 white guy with a 15 inch vertical. The NBA was never in the cards for me. But the pinnacle of my basketball career was JV basketball, JV high school basketball. One game in particular is burned into my memory as the greatest night of my career. We were playing at our high school gym, which was typical for us as the JV team, but the varsity team was playing there as well. And normally varsity, they played at kind of an offsite gym for all the schools in our district, but that night they were at home. And so our game was before theirs and it was running a little long. So people were filling the stands in preparation for the real game to come. But our game was a close one. We were down maybe one or two. We just got the ball back with a few seconds left and our coach calls timeout and he draws up a last-second shot for me. (laughs) Every Hooper's dream. So three seconds left. Ball gets inbounded to me. I catch, take one dribble up to the three-point line. Quick pump fake. The defender flies by. I've got a wide-open shot for the win. I launch it up there. Swish, swish. I hit the game-winning shot, but it gets better, all the students in the student section storm the court, Bray, JV high school basketball game. It was amazing. I was the king of the world. The rest of the week at school, I had so many people coming up to me, telling me how good I played. I'm going to be on varsity soon for sure. Everyone is hyping me up. I was the man on campus. But you know what's crazy? While I was at home with my wife for Thanksgiving, we actually watched that video. My parents found the old CD, and we watched the greatest three seconds of my high school career, and it was extremely underwhelming. (laughs) I thought I remembered a hundred people storming the court, hoisting me up in the air, and in reality, it was my teammates and maybe five or ten other students, and it lasted about ten seconds. The hype and glory of me hitting the game-winning shot lasted maybe a day, and I went on to have a very average basketball career. I thought the joy of that moment would last a lifetime, yet it quickly faded. Life got hard. We lost other basketball games. I was benched during my senior year. The glory of that moment just didn't last. And this has happened to me so many other times in my life. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you had a similar experience while playing sports, or maybe it was getting into your dream school or getting into the top sorority or fraternity on your campus. Maybe it's a time where you had an incredible experience, like a once in a lifetime trip or meeting your favorite celebrity. We all have moments in life where we think, man, this is it. You experience a joy and an emotional high that you thought may never end, yet it quickly fades when life goes back to reality, when things get hard. The same thing can be true of our faith. Maybe this is something that just happened to you at SMC. You had an incredible time. You met great people. You learned so much. You feel so connected to God. Yet like so many other things in life, this could quickly fade when reality sets back in. You go back home or to campus and life goes back to its old ways. But what if I told you each of you could experience the abundant joy of following Jesus for a lifetime? Not a roller coaster of faith. If that's you, you can get off right now. You can have a steady, unwavering, abundant life in Christ starting right now. It's possible, and that's what I want to talk about today. Matthew 24 13 says this but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I'm gonna say that again. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You see, Jesus right here says to his disciples, hey, the one who will inherit eternal life is the one whose faith lasts a lifetime. Seems pretty challenging, doesn't it? So how do we have faith in Jesus that lasts a lifetime? What does that even mean? So that we too can be certain that we are saved. Each one of you listening to this podcast right now can live an unwavering, abundant life in Christ by understanding these three truths. The first truth you need to understand to have an unwavering, abundant life in Christ is the truth of being saved. What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be a Christian? What is the gospel? How do I believe in it? How do you know that one day when you die, you will go to heaven? Well, listen to what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. A new creation, totally new. The old has gone and the new is here. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And you see that that term in Christ means that when God looks at you, he sees his perfect son, Jesus. And in order for that to be true, you have to make a conscious decision of turning from your sins and trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, let me break that down real quick because this is the gospel. And without understanding and believing in this fully, 100%, then you can never have a steady, unwavering, abundant life in Christ because you aren't in Christ. This is the biggest decision you can ever make in your entire life is repenting of your sin and believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Philippians 2.12 even goes so far as to say, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. We must actively be pursuing obedience to God and be fearful when we offend him or bring sin into our lives. So for clarity, the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. It's that Jesus was the son of God, fully man, fully God at the same time that he came down to earth, he lived a perfect life, a life 100% fully free of any sinfulness and that he fully obeyed and accomplished God's law because we could never do it. And even though he didn't deserve it, he took the perfect life that he lived and sacrificed it for us when he paid the penalty for our sins up on the cross during his crucifixion and rising from the from the dead 3 days later, conquering the grave and defeating sin, said if we believe in him, we may have eternal life. When we believe in this truth, we receive God's spirit inside of us. And he, the Holy Spirit, will never leave us. He will allow us to live out a faith for a lifetime. That is why this is so crucial. Without believing this first critical truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of being saved, we can never fully live an abundant, steady, and unwavering life in Christ. So right here, if you have not made this decision and you know it, just pause the podcast for a second. Just pause this podcast. Sit before God and pray. Consider if this is the moment you are ready to submit your life to Christ. And if you're ready, tell God. Tell God either in your head or better yet out loud that you are ready to turn from a life of sin, And trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and that you want to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. If you're unsure if you've ever done this, then pray. If that's you, then pray. Ask God to truly reveal to you if this is a decision that you have made before. Be confident. In this decision. And again, if you haven't placed your full trust in Christ, then that is my prayer for each one of you listening to this podcast today, because the Christian life begins in making this decision to follow Jesus. Now, if you have made the decision to submit your life to Christ and follow him, then these next two truths will be so important for you to live out an unwavering, abundant life in Christ for the rest of your life. The second truth you need to understand to have an unwavering, abundant life in Christ is the truth of being set apart. The truth of being set apart. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, there's two parts to this that are so important, and the first is not conforming to the pattern of this world. To be set apart for Jesus Christ, you must live a life that is different than the rest of the world. How can we say we are Christians, yet if we look at our lives and not see any difference between us and our non-Christian friends? I don't say that to trigger you or to sound judgmental. I say that because it is written clearly in scripture. How can we say we are Christians if our lives aren't any different than non-Christians? Matthew 5, 15 through 16 says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Now, Jesus, he describes his followers as lights and contrasts them with the darkness. And we actually see this analogy a few times in scripture. And it's so clear. If we are followers of Jesus, if we claim to be Christians, yet don't live any differently than our non-Christian friends, then what separates us at all? We must live as lights in a dark world so that our life brings glory to the Father, and so that people who don't follow Jesus can so clearly see the difference, just like they would see the difference between light and darkness. The Bible is clear over and over again that we must not conform to this world. We must live lives different and set apart. For many of this, including myself, I need to continually evaluate my life and myself and ask, What areas am I not submitting to Jesus? And what areas does my life look just like everyone else? Is it materialism? You know, the clothes that I'm wearing, the things that I'm buying, is it greed? Is it the way that I'm spending my money, the way that I'm saving my money, the things that I envy, The, the places that I'm actually giving my money? Is it envy? Is it jealousy? Is it anger? For you, what might be some of those areas? Is it the way you handle alcohol or drugs? You know, the party scene. Maybe it's sexual immorality, pornography, lust. Maybe it's cheating in school. Jesus calls us to live lives that are different and set apart. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. The second part of being set apart is by renewing your mind. Again, Romans 12.2, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. What Paul is saying here is that we need to replace lies for truth. We need to fill our minds with God's word. How can we live a life that is set apart if we don't even know what God has to say about these areas in our life? We must continue to read God's word daily so that we might know him deeply. And as we grow in our knowledge of God, we will begin to live our lives according to what he says in his word. Did you know that people in our generation, those between 18 and 29 years old, read God's word, that read God's word at least one time a week or more are less than 20%. That's right. Less than one in five people our age read God's word once a week, just one time. doesn't even give a time limit on how long they were reading the word for. It was just if they open their Bible once a week. If we want to renew our minds and live lives set apart for Jesus, we must be a part of changing that statistic. John 15 says, if you remain in me, and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We must remain connected to God through reading his word each day. Maybe you're wondering, Drew, how do I break these sin habits or struggles and be set apart? And not only that, you're asking me to read my Bible every single day. I recently read a book called Atomic Habits. It's an amazing book. And in Atomic Habits, It talks about principles and how to break bad habits and build good ones in your life. It's not a Christian book, but I think it perfectly applies to this situation right here. You see, the author James Clear, he says, because bad habits provide some type of benefit in your life, it's very difficult to eliminate them. That is why the simplistic advice like just stop doing it rarely works. Instead, you need to replace a bad habit with a habit that provides a similar benefit. James, the author, he goes on to explain that smokers who try to quit rarely succeed because normally smokers smoke cigarettes to cope with something that is causing them stress in their life. So when they try to quit the bad habit, but yet still face the stressful situations, they don't know how to cope. They don't know what to do. And so they run back to smoking. Yet if they replace smoking with a habit that will bring them a physical benefit and help them deal with the stress in their life something like working out, then it makes quitting smoking so much easier. Replace the bad with the good. Replace the bad habits with good habits. Now, what if we took this principle and applied it to what we just talked about? What if we took this principle and applied it to our faith? If we wanna live lives that are different, lives that are set apart for Jesus, let's replace the things that are sinful in our lives with a habit that brings glory to God. For example, what if the next time you're tempted by whatever sin area that you really struggle with, instead of falling into that temptation, you just pulled out your Bible and you read it for five minutes, just five minutes. You're much more likely to overcome temptation and sin when you do this. If we wanna live unwavering, abundant lives for Christ, then we must live set apart, set yourself apart. The last truth we must understand to live an abundant, unwavering life for Christ is the truth of surrounding yourself. At this point, you understand the gospel, you understand what it takes to be saved, and you understand that to live an abundant life, you need to be set apart. But if you want to do this for the rest of your life, the most important thing you must do is surround yourself with others who are doing the same. We all know how much easier it is to do something when others are doing it as well, whether this is you know good or bad. I'm sure you've experienced peer pressure in many ways. My wife, Carly, and I, we set a goal for ourselves this semester that we were gonna run a marathon. And less than 1% of people have ever accomplished running a marathon, and I wanted to be in that elite category. And along the way, I was hoping to you know get in shape, lose some weight, all the other added benefits, but it was a huge goal. And it was something that we wanted to accomplish together. Both of us had ran half marathons before and we knew how much harder this challenge was gonna be for us. The pain I experienced after running 13 miles was insane. And it was unfathomable for me to think about doing that two times in one day, but we set this goal. It was something that we wanted to do together to spend time together and to get in shape. And so our training began in August it was pretty good. You know, we we started training, but August, Texas, it's really hot. And so we didn't run quite as much as we had thought. Uh, We we skipped some runs because it was just way too hot outside. September, we ran some more, but again, Texas, September, really hot. And we got a little bit busier with, with things going on, so we missed some of our planned runs. Then October hit, perfect running weather, perfect Yet it was the busiest month of our lives. We had no idea how much time and effort training for a marathon was going to take us. But yet we tried. We tried to stay on track as much as we could. And at the end of October, we ran a half marathon in our training plan. And we felt okay. We felt better than the other times we had run 13 miles. You know, We learned some about nutrition and hydration, and and we were just more in shape. And so we thought, hey, we might be able to do this thing. November comes, and it flies by. We didn't run any farther than 13.1 miles again. We ran out of time. The weather got cold. Thanksgiving happened. We didn't even run two weeks leading up to the day of our race. We didn't run one time. And there was a moment where we weren't sure if we were going to accomplish this goal anymore. But Carly and I, being stubborn, we knew we had to try. We had told so many people all semester we're running a marathon. And I would have been embarrassed if we had just quit and given up. Marathon day came, we didn't actually sign up for a legit marathon, which anyone would tell you is so dumb, especially for your first time. So many people told us that without being in a real marathon, that it would be too hard, that we needed the people, we needed the adrenaline that comes with running along, alongside other people. You know, we needed the fans on the sideline cheering us on, the water along the route, the snacks that they provide. Well, we went against all this advice and we decided we were just going to run it on our own anyways. Carly and I both thought that we were, you know, young, we were in shape. How hard could it really be? We could do it. So race day comes and we were extremely underprepared to say the least, but we mapped out a route. We put some snacks out. We told all of our friends in town that if they weren't doing anything, they could cheer us on as we ran by their house or better yet, if they were bored, they could just come come run a mile or two with us. And so Carly and I began our run and two miles in, we're feeling great. Spirits are high. We run by our friend Jared's house. And Jared, being the loyal friend that he is, he decides he was going to run the next two miles with us until we got to our next friend's house. And it was great. It was fun. We enjoyed running together. So we get to our next friend's house. Jared leaves. And then from mile five to mile 14, Carly and I proceed to run this marathon by ourselves. And after mile 11, we were ready to quit. We were were ready to quit. We were done. But we were too far from home. We were so far from our house. So we decided we at least have to make it to our next friend's house, whether we walk or run. And that was at mile 15. Mile 15. And so Carly and I, we both kind of made up in our minds that once we got there, we were done. We were just going to ask them for a ride home. We were in excruciating pain. Like pain that I've never experienced before. We were bored. We'd been running for three hours at this point. Our minds and our bodies, they were done. We were shot. And so we get there and we stop. We get some snacks and waters and we're about to tell them like, hey guys, we're, we're done. We're not doing this thing anymore. But the greatest thing that could have happened, happened. Two of Carly and I's friends, they just didn't let us quit. They were like, hey, we're running with you. They encouraged us. They brought a speaker, new music, set the vibes high. We, we walked for a while and we got to talk with them. It was a huge breath of fresh air in our marathon. Our friend Kelsey, she ran with us for two miles. And then another friend, Sydney, so loyal, she ran with us for seven miles. And without them, we truly would not have finished. Like, there's no way we would have finished. After 20 miles, which actually flew by, despite how much pain we were in, you know, a few more of our friends at mile 20, they decided to run with us. And so until mile 23, we had friends running alongside of us and it was actually enjoyable. Running the marathon was enjoyable. It was an awesome memory. And then from mile 23 to mile 26, back to our house, we were by ourselves. And guess what? I wanted to quit. I was bored. I wanted to quit. My body was dying. I was starving. I had nothing to distract me from the pain that I was experiencing. I had no water left, no friends to talk to, just our playlist and my mind and how bad my body hurt. And I learned something that day. Without people surrounding Carly and I on one of the hardest things we've ever done in our lives, we would have quit without the other people encouraging us, spurring us on to keep running. No matter how disciplined or trained Carly and I were, we just wouldn't have done it. We had to have people around us. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The Bible perfectly and accurately describes what we need if we are true biblical Christians that wanna live out their faith for the rest of their life. We need to be surrounded by other men and women, encouraging us to keep living a life devoted to Jesus. We need people to spur us on when we wanna quit, to challenge us to not get comfortable in our faith, to not succumb to the world and its pressures or a life of sin. And we need this until the day approaches. And when the Bible says that it means that the day is either the day of Jesus's return to save his people once and for all or the day that we die and are united with him in heaven. We need community. Now this might sound like a hot take, but I've seen it time and time again. If you aren't in community, if you don't have at least one person speaking into your life or holding you accountable, you'll fail no matter how tough you are, no matter how disciplined you are or determined you are, you will fail. We were designed to live in community. It's commanded by God. If you wanna live an unwavering, abundant life, you have to understand these three truths. You have to understand the truth of being saved, the truth of being set apart, and the truth of being surrounded three truths, three applications. If you haven't already submitted your life to Jesus Christ, and if you want to do that, tell someone. Tell your friends, tell a Sumo staff member if you know one, tell whoever recruited you to SMC that this is a a decision that you want to make. The second application is to get in the word every day. Start with a small goal, five minutes, One verse, whatever it might be, and build in the habit of reading God's word so that when temptation comes, you can stand firm, so that you can be set apart and turn from your life of sin and honor God. And lastly, get godly people around you who are doing the same. Plug in with Stumo if you can on your campus. Surround yourself with the godliest men and women you know so that they can spur you on to do this for the rest of your life to conclude, I want to leave you with just one challenge. Our generation of millennials have at our fingertips more than any generation ever has before. With technology, social media, and even Amazon, we can have almost anything we could ever want or need instantly or or within two days. And, And we're the generation of instant gratification. Think about it. How often do you actually watch shows these days that release an episode every week? You know why Netflix releases an entire season of episodes at one time? Because they know that we as consumers are much more likely to watch something if we can binge the whole season than have the patience to wait each week for a new episode. And this isn't just media. The national unemployment average for people in our generation is double any other. We bounce from job to job, hobby to hobby, show to show, maybe friend to friend, and so on and so on and on and on and on. Because we have so many opportunities at our fingertips, it makes it easier to drop everything and move on to something new. Think about this for yourself. When's the last time you set a long-term goal? Not just a semester-long goal. Maybe it is a semester, maybe that's long for you. Maybe it's a goal that lasts a year, or two, or three? And how hard have you worked towards that goal? I know I can sit here and say, I've never done that. What if we as Christians changed the culture? What if you were marked by your friends as someone with perseverance, grit, determination? You know, these are all qualities we say we want to have but we don't stick it out for the long haul. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living a life blown back and forth by the culture. And in Christ, we have the opportunity to live a steady, unwavering, and abundant life. What you experienced at SMC doesn't have to end. Doesn't have to end right now. Join me in living a life devoted to Christ for the rest of our lives. We can do it, but only if we do it together. I wanted to thank you all for tuning in to the podcast today. My name is Drew Barnett, and it's been a pleasure. Make sure to check out our other breakouts, maybe some that you missed at SMC or some post-SMC podcasts like this one on Apple Music or Spotify at SMC 2022 Podcast.